We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Moons podcast. This is episode 253 of the pod alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso and this is the podcast that has no home. It goes many places, mm-hmm. but you always feel home when you're there. Uh, Matt good. Rooney joining us from the Heartland. I think I think you described as as the Heartland. Beautiful Des Moines, Iowa. Just uh, no, no, no place. Like, did you ever did you ever uh, come across Des Moines uh, in your, your um, Nebraska travels? That's not too far from I, it. That's what Omaha's like. No, two it's hours. not I far. Know you were necessarily we, Omaha, but. stopped for like stopped for like gas um, okay. a couple of times. But um, no, my experience with Des Moines is because Drake is in Des Moines, right? Yes, Drake University is in Des Moines. Iowa yeah, State also not that Drake. far. So um, a, a okay. young Joe Musso once ran around the track at uh, at Drake in Des Moines, Iowa. That was there you go. Uh, my 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 eldest cousin. So this was like a, a three to six year old Joe Musso. Oh, okay. I don't know where somewhere in there. Yeah yeah yeah. So uh, don't have a don't have a great point of reference. So you're going to have to better outline all that Des Moines has to offer if we do get to that. But um, okay. I think this pod will be centrally. Um, Focused on the PGA Championship. Yeah, I was going to well say maybe Oklahoma. Way. A couple, couple. Yeah, oh, there west. you go, there you go, there you go. Not, not also too Heartland. Far, not too far a stretch there. Also, also Heartland. Eh, I think you start getting into uh, ish. Heartland ish. Yeah, we'll call it Heartland ish. Yeah, um, it's on the It's on but, the the uh, the outlands of the Heartland. We are recording this during the early wave of the Friday grouping. So apologies if uh, anybody withdraws, anybody uh, shoots 800 under or whatever the case may be. But we're going to give you a little PGA Championship in progress. Uh, we're going to talk a little NBA, talk a little NHL. But um, it's going to be, I don't want to call it a mini pod, but, uh, but we're going to get you home. We're going to get you home quick. We're going to get you home quick. Uh, we're, yeah, we're going, we're going the length of a Zoom meeting here. Um, you gave us a little bit of a where are you, but how are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm sitting in the, this hotel room. I got Justin Thomas teeing off on number 10 here right in front of me. He uh, striped one right down the middle. Good ball for JT. Uh, I'm it's good. Number it's one. Fr- it's his 10th hole of the day. Oh, okay. So I didn't see the asterisk there. God. I apologize. Get dialed so, in. Get dialed in. Well, technically it is his 10th hole of the day. So number 10 for him. <laughs> JT's number 10. Uh, that's a good ball. That's right down the middle. Uh, I'm good. I, I, I'm I love major championship weekend and I love when we get these kind of, I wake up and the first thing I do is pop on, you know, ESPN plus and I'm watching golf all day. How about yourself? Now you're in Des Moines, obviously during a major yeah. championship. How is that? How are those two things reconciling? Um, when do you, when do you return home? Are you going to be in a safe place by Sunday? Oh, I, so I will be, no, actually on a, su- Sunday, I will be in a much better place. Unfortunately, I will have to, no, I'm not much better place. That's not what I meant to say, but <laughs> Sunday, I will have to be streaming the PGA championship because I will be at, at sand Valley, probably around the 15, 16 when we're crowning a champion. So I'll be, I'll be okay. on probably the 15th or 16th tee box. No way. Mammoth Dunes is Sunday. Sorry. Either way, golf getting in the way of golf is, is an acceptable answer. <laughs> I'm having golf with a side of golf. Yes. Yes. Um, that's one thing that I've often thought of like, yeah, there's enough going on during like when you're trying to shoot a score out on a golf course, but, during the season, just a little, little iPad there in the cart. We keep yeah. the coverage up, see what's going on. Not uh, for, I mean, I'm not going to do it for the, the Byron Nelson, but like if I'm on the no, golf course like, during yeah. the PGA or a major, I'm, I'm absolutely going to pop it on. Maybe not stream it the whole time and drain the entire battery, but uh-huh. definitely going to keep it posted. Definitely going to be looking. 
what I, uh why why do we have really I just I just I was just gonna say I just saw DJ's teeing off. He's at four over. Brooks is at four over. Is Brooks what's wrong with Brooks? Well let's start there. Well, why why is okay. he bad now? Brooks Brooks got injured, stopped practicing, and thinks he can Fair just kind of like talk his way into being good, and that's just not how golf goes. Also, he was part of that afternoon wave, which might might get just like royally boned here because yeah. wind is already blowing in the morning. So you wanted to be a part of the early late wave that mm-hmm. um, Tiger was in, JT was in, Rory was in, um, Spieth is in there too. Uh, Spieth, excuse me, JT was not. JT was uh, late early because he's yeah, on the JT's course, on the right course now, now, now. Yeah, but that late early, I, I think if you at the end of round two, we're going to look at X number of guys made the cut. Let's say 70 guys, 60 guys, whatever it's going to be. Mm-hmm. I'd say 60 to 70% of them are going to be from that early, late wave. It's just, it's played completely different um, in those two waves. So I don't know if we're going to see any low numbers here on, uh, on Friday, or if we do, we'll see them later in the day with those guys that caught the low numbers early on Thursday. So, um, long answer about the field, but about Brooks, yeah, I think he's just hurt kind of, I, I just, he's just not, um, really since yeah, he had the knee injury last year, he's been, his game to me is his game to me is very, um, whatever the opposite of manufactured would be. It's very organic. You know, his mm-hmm. swing is organic. His game is organic. He kind of comes off a little bit more brash than you would think a golfer would. And I say all those things because when it starts going wrong, you can't turn to anything concrete to get it back going right. Yes. I'm sure mm-hmm. he's got swing coaches. I'm sure he's dialed into the minutia of his swing, but like just the way he does it kind of, um, I don't know when you lose that feel, it might be hard to get it back. Um, I'm not saying that he's going to have long-term issues. I believe in Brooks Kepka, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a down period right now for sure. Yeah. And, and then um, the, the other story here, obviously you, you were talking about the morning you want yesterday's morning and then today's afternoon, you look at the leaderboard, like, just about everybody near the top yeah. was that, except the we have Justin Thomas, who's one under today. He played well, and Joaquin Neiman's another name that I, like, he was good last year, but younger guy on tour. But like he's kind of I know he has I, he has the one win this year at the Genesis, but like he's he's up at the the top of the leaderboard just about every weekend it seems. He's been playing really really good golf. Yeah, there's a belief on tour that if you win at Riviera, you can win anywhere. And I think yeah. he's bought into that as well because um, that win at the Genesis gave him a lot of belief. Not only that, he's got, I think, like three or four top 25s, a couple of top 10s. Like he's been hanging around um, tops of leaderboards this year. So I would play great in the Masters to too. See him there. Played great in the Masters. And that was, if you remember, uh, day one, day two was alongside Tiger. And everyone's like, oh, walk, poor Joaquin. He's coming in playing such good golf. He's going to get his brain broken by these crowds, by, or mm-hmm. by these patrons. Um, he stepped up to it. He absolutely thrived. I believe he shot the best round in that group um, over mm-hmm. those two days. Yeah, yeah Louis, we're uh, Louis withdrew. We're uh, already looking at winds. Yes, he did. We're already looking at winds uh, gusting and up to like 23 miles an hour out there in Tulsa. Could gust. As hard as thirty to forty, I believe is what they said. So Those could be a day of carnage wins. here on Friday. Um, but um, coming out of that early group was uh, your guy, and that's Rory McIlroy, who appears to be carrying that Masters momentum right into this next, um, right into this next major opportunity. He looks spectacular. He he's got he the, the Rory bounce back. He's uh he's kind of uh you know he. When, when it's going good, he starts to get that little bounce in his step as he walks down oh, the yeah. fairway. Everyone and, knows what we're I mean, talking about, too. His shortest, his shortest drive yesterday, I think it was like 330 yards or something like that. Like, he's just – he's got it – he's got everything going. There was no mistake on Thursday, which has him 
Only one shot clear of some very talented golfers, but he's exactly where he wants to be because the knock on Rory at the majors has been he's a slow starter. Then he'll yep. come out and give you a 65 on Sunday, but it's what's it worth? You know, other yeah, than if, the moment coming out of the bunker at the Masters. I mean, if he can kind of keep this rolling, it, golf, I, I've never been the biggest Rory supporter just because I think there's all that talent there. And I don't think it's, it's weird saying a three time or three time or four time, four time major champion because he won mm-hmm. the PG, whatever, four time major champion hasn't quite lived up to his potential, but like he kind of hasn't yet. And this is, like you said, usually he starts slow and then finishes strong at the majors. Like this is the first time since that, those, those 2014 where he was winning all those majors that we've kind of seen him like get out to this great start. And I'm happy. Golf is better when Rory's kind of playing his best because he's has that star power that not a lot of all those other golfers have. I hope he does. I hope he plays really well, keeps playing while he's in the thick of it because he it makes things a whole lot more interesting. And like you said, the driver yesterday was just unbelievable. He was absolutely but a lot of those guys are murdering the ball, but Rory was yeah. Like, he, Tiger was hitting the ball really well. Spieth was hitting the ball, hits the ball far off the tee, and Rory was just clear of him every time. You know, they're saying that Southern Hills, the, like the, the Gil Hans updates, sort of returned it back to its original glory and things get harder around the greens because it's a bunch of shaved surrounds. There's not really mm-hmm. rough around the greens, so it really brings chipping into it, and they thought like that was going to decide this tournament. But it's a big ballpark, too. And when you got a guy like Rory in at 380 and then has an iron into a 660-yard par 5, like that's separating him from – Every thirds of the field. Most yeah. guys can't do that. Like that's a, that's a three shotter for 80% of this field. So a driving is still rewarded out here. Let's not, let's not get too far away from that fact, but um, I don't know, just looking at this leaderboard right now, like if you told me it was a McElroy, Thomas, Neiman, Zalatoris race come Sunday, I'm in, you know, I'm, oh, yeah, I'm absolutely. fully in if, like for Rory and JT to go head to head in a final group is like, Something we haven't gotten. And, you know, we've, we've gotten some amazing moments over these last couple of years. And um, the golf has been great. And the depth has been amazing in these fields. But, like, it's time that we get – it's time that we get a couple final pairings. It's time that we get a, a race to the finish between two of the top ten names, you know? Yeah. like, I, And I think we might be in store for that this week. That, would, that yeah. might be um, – and it's two guys that have PGA championships, so it's not the story of – uh, speed completing the grand slam or uh, a first time major winner coming through. But, um, you know, you find comfortability at certain tournaments and uh, to not, I'm not going to sit here and scoff at the PGA championship because we have power ranked our, our major championships before, but um, still one it's, of the big trophies. And you yeah, can I mean, tell that these guys really want it this week. It's number four on the major championship list, but it's still a major. And it's mm-hmm. like, we're still here sitting here glued, basically dedicating a full podcast to just this tournament. So even if it's four, four of four in the majors, it's, it's worth, it's obviously still unbelievable. Um, I, we were talking about, you know, the wind obviously being tough for those guys who caught, you know, bad breaks with yesterday afternoon, this morning. But you also look at like some of these big hitters. And I don't know if there's a, it'd be the fact that, you know, you got John Rahm, he's right at the cut line. DJ's below the cut line. Brooks is below the cut line. Like a lot of these big bombers probably have to do with how windy it gets. And it's kind of hard to control those drives. If you are that big of a hitter, like all those guys, we thought we're going to have a field day in this tournament. And they're not, I mean, they're DJ two shots off the cut line. Brooks yeah. two shots off the cut line. Um, like I said, Spieth is right there. Rahm is right there. It's, it's a lot of big names floating around that cut line that might not make the cut. Yeah, it. Um, I think the wind magnifies everything, and we've seen this. It, it magnifies the miss of an amateur and magnifies the miss of a professional. Um, but one thing that maybe an aspect that we don't really um, 
have an intimate understanding of is how it affects everything else. I mean, it affects these guys putting, it affects their chipping, it affects everything. Um, and I think that uh, you're maybe prepared for a grind at the major championships, but you know, the setup never really um, presents the hardest golf course possible day one, day two, you're expecting that to come later in the tournament. Maybe you get mm-hmm. slapped in the face with uh, tough setup, tough course, tough field, tough draw, tough wind. And you're just like, what, what do you, what do you want from me here? Yeah. I'm four over, you know? Yeah. Should, should we talk about now then our, our guy who's also four yeah, over? Definitely. Um, Tiger out there started with started on the back on Thursday. Um, four, exciting two, birdie. Two exciting birdie five. at the first. Yeah. Beautiful wedge. Two under through five. Um, appears that something happened with that leg um, midway yeah. through the round that he just kind of gutted it out the rest of the way. But in, in hearing his comments post round, it sounds like that, that happens sometimes, you know, he, he's, he's going to have to work through those things if he doesn't want to pull himself off the golf course. And that's, mm-hmm. that might be just the way it is now. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It's great to see him. I, I have a lot of the same feelings as I did at the masters, maybe not as uh, distilled because that was the first time we saw him legitimately, but um, I have a lot of the same feels at the masters. Like it's awesome to have him out there. It's awesome to have him in a pairing alongside uh, Ricky, or excuse R- me, alongside Rory, Rory and Spieth. And, uh, and Spieth. It's, it's great to be able to have those moments. It's great. It's great to have those moments, not just to watch him play, but to watch these guys play around him, like to yeah. hear to hear JT talk about it, and I think Spieth was even a little bit more candid, but to hear him talk about the opportunity of playing with his childhood idol, like what yeah. that means to him, like being he could tell his kids that he was paired with Tiger. That was a very major. cool quote. Um, is it is it getting hard to watch at times? Yes, it's, it's getting hard to watch, not because of the golf, but because you know what the guy's going through. Um, yeah. And we do have to remember that this was not – this was not his setup. A lot of people were expecting to skip this. A lot of people were expecting to skip the Masters. A lot of people were expecting mm-hmm. a lot of things. But he came out here. He's given it a go. And I think focus remains on St. Andrews, not to already kick this one to the side. But I'm hoping we get um, here. Let's date the pod immediately. I'm hoping we get a great round out of him and we see him on the weekend again. Yeah, I hope we do too. That would be awesome. But I think you're right. Like I was at first a little bit surprised that he played this. But I think this is more of, I mean, you talked about how you know, tweak that leg. And he kind of said, and it's just a fact that he's going to kind of have to learn how to play with some of that pain and navigate the golf course and some of that pain when stuff like that happens on the course, because that's probably going to happen a lot more often now. And I think this tournament for him was probably more of a, like more tournament experience, more major experience to get him to that British. So he hadn't been off for, you know, however many months in a row, four months in a row without playing competitive golf. I think this is obviously he comes to the PGA to win, but I also think this was a getting reps, getting swings, getting, you know, tournament major rounds. So by the time he gets to the British, he's kind of learned a little bit more about, you know, his, his body, how to play with these, you know, his, I don't want to say limitations, but kind of limitations uh-huh. at this Definitely. point. Like I think, I kind of think that's what this PGA is. And it's, it's too bad because he did start out like really well yesterday. And then you know, he made a couple bad shots in the front, but after that little tweak, it was like, he was really just kind of trying to gut it out. It was like, it was different for me than the masters though, because like, the Masters, he just looked exhausted and sore, and there wasn't like one moment you could point to that like, oh, this this happened on this tee shot. Whereas yesterday, yeah. it kind of seemed like this happened on this tee shot, and that's kind of why he's bouncing around. Because before that, he actually looked not fully ever healthy. He's always going to walk with that little bit of a limp, but like he kind of looked like you know Tiger. Yeah, um, I think I don't know. I just had the thought, and I doubt it's the case, but I wonder if it's come across Tiger's mind that like he wins again. Like he beat Phil again. Phil wasn't allowed 
or Phil Phil decided not to play. And here Tiger is overcoming injury, overcoming everything that he's overcome, playing in the PGA Championship, and um, and Phil's not. I don't know. I, I just don't know if that crosses his mind. You know, there's always, that's, you know, it might not be why he, it might not be why he did it, but I guarantee no, you I, that yeah. crossed his mind. I'm not I, I guarantee that, that but like, is he technically the defending champion because he's the last person to win at Southern Hills in 2007, Tiger? Because the defending like champion that. is not there. It's, a, it's like an interim that. role. It's an interim role that will last only four days, uh, maybe two, but uh, we'll see. Um, all right, let's, let's pick a winner. Give me a winner. Who do you, who do you think that this is going to be great? This is going to date ourselves very quickly here. Won't be good next week, but give me a winner. I think... I think Justin Thomas rips out Rory's heart on the final three hole stretch of this tournament. Oh, wow. I, I really that would do. be, I think that's, I think that's your final pairing. They jockey all day long. And JT says, you're the old man. I, this is my tournament. This is my, this is my tour. And, and just, and just rips his heart out in front of him. And it's, and not only that, it's, it's the last gasp that we see out of Rory for some time. I think that, I think there'll be mo- moments later in his career, but like, I think this it's is so wild important. coming I think from a Rory guy. I, I, I am, I'm, but I'm a JT guy more than I'm a Rory. True, guy. that's also. But you are, you're still a Rory guy. You like, you're, yeah, you're not a Rory. I just think by that any means, and you're saying no. I think that okay. Here's, here's, here's. Let me, uh, let me show my work. Let me tell you how I got. Okay, there. I love it. Rory McIlroy is in this point of his life and his career where he has great perspective. He's got a kid. He's got his wife. It doesn't bother him that bad when he hits bad shots. It, it's just, it's all gravy. It's all he's set for life already. He obviously wants to win more golf tournaments and majors at that, but it's not life or death for him. I still think there's a little bit of life or death in it for Justin Thomas. Now he might have some perspective too. And you know, he's getting married or has he's gotten married or he's whatever engaged. the case may be. He's engaged to be married and there's some actual non-golf life things happening around him as well that I'm sure are offering some perspective, but he is still squarely in that mode of I must win. And I think Sunday at a major, if it's I must win versus, you know, it's, it'd be great if I won. I must yeah. win always wins. And that's why I think JT rips out Rory's heart. Yeah, I was also going to Jake, take JT, but I'm not going to do that because that would make the podcast boring if we both pick the same. I'm going to go with Joaquin Neiman, actually. I, I think he's going to play pretty well. And I think the headlines Bill and Quinn. the – the, you know, everybody's eyes are going to be on Rory and JT, similar to how everyone's eyes are on Tiger and the Masters pairing. And then, ho-hum, here comes Joaquin Neiman firing, you know, a, a 67 on Sunday. I think he's going to be right there. I love his makeup. He's, you know, won at Riviera. Like, he's, he doesn't have that first major yet, but he's won on tour. Uh, let's let's see him get his first major. Let's go with that. I'm going to take Joaquin Neiman since you took JT. I like the that. Chilean, um, the Chilean. It's... Uh... It's a very Gee, interesting setup to see if, if JT can get it done um, coming out of the afternoon morning wave. Um, that would be gaining strokes, <laughs> oh, and I'm sure. And we were both talking about how the, the afternoon the winner's going to come out of the one. Yeah, yeah. We, both, we, both, we both took an afternoon morning wave guy. Exceptions both of those guys are playing well today. Um, another what happened to that guy? Patrick Cantlay is currently beating six players in the field. He's, oh, in, seven, he's, in, he's in seventh to last. All six of those players are club pros. He is not beating any PGA Tour professionals right now. I don't know what like, like what happened to that. We've guy. talked about him uh, this so far, like how Scheffler after the Ryder Cup used that momentum, like kind of to be the golfer that we all thought Cantlay might be. Like what Cantlay's been? He had the one um, at, at Harborside where he went to the playoff with Spieth and lost. But other than that, like I guess early on he was contending, but he wasn't winning. And now it's like he just 
I don't know what happened to the guy. He was so damn good at the end of last year and in the Ryder Cup. I, I don't know what well, the hell happened. But the numbers just came in on JT's drive at number one, his 10th hole of the day, and he hit it 409 yards downwind. So I, can, um, I think it's that's downwind. That's, that's not even hard. That's just uh, that's just probably the last thing we need to say about this golf tournament until next week's uh, review pod. But uh, that's your in-tournament preview of the PGA Championship, Matt. Uh, let's pivot to some hockey. Let's pivot to some basketball. Where do you want to take us next? Let's uh, let's hit basketball. There was a, I think the biggest yeah, I don't know what, game happened yeah. last night with the the Celtics storyline and maybe with the the Celtics kind I, of flipping the yeah, script guess, on that series. I guess you can kind of I guess you kind of ask the same question. Um, what happened to those guys? Like it's been blowout after blowout the last couple of days, and um, I, I'm not sure why. I can't really put my finger on it. I mean, a night ago, you had a 25-point Celtics win. Uh, the night before that, you had the Warriors blowing out the Mavericks in game one. The mm-hmm. night before that was no games. The night before that was the uh, Celtics, um, excuse me, the, the the Heat blowing out the Celtics. Like, it just, it's gotten, um, I don't want to say uncompetitive because it's very competitive. And the teams that are blowing out the other teams are switching roles on a night-to-night yeah. basis. Like, they're going to make for, like, long, interesting series. But there hasn't been the closely contested games that we saw last round, like in the Celtics mm-hmm. Bucks series and how some of those, I mean, the decisive game wasn't all that close, but um, I don't know. It's gotten a little bit, usually we think it's supposed to be decisive outcomes round one and maybe round two, and then things get pressure get better. Conference closer finals. Better, yeah. And it's been the inverse. Like things were so tight early on and now um, it's loosened up, but uh, yeah, Celtics heat is one, one heading back to Boston. Um, putting the pressure squarely on the Heat to win one on the road in Boston, which is going to be a hard task. But, um, yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting series that I do think the Celtics come out of. And then on the other side of that, you got the uh, the Golden State Warriors who look like um, – who I was going to say they look like the Golden State Warriors, but they don't. They look like a different team. They look like a team that um, – they look like a team that might be the best team remaining – but they don't look like the championship teams of old, of old, excuse me, maybe the mm-hmm. pre Kevin Durant version of them. Yes, yeah. But like they're so much deeper than they were at that point, even with Jordan Poole pitching in and um, Wiggins spectacular in game one. Like they just have so many outlets that they can go to that. I think it's just too tall of a task for Luca. Like, Luca's amazing. He's going to be amazing. He had an underwhelming game one, but you know, he's going to give you 40 a couple times throughout this series. And it's going to be, all that he can give. It's just not going to be enough. Like, yeah. Just Golden State has just such a depth in scoring and um, such an experience in this moment that I think they're, they're ready for that triumph. And we were sort of sitting at work the other day talking about like, you know, what's the, what's the motivating factor for these four teams that are left? Well, for Boston, it's always that like knockdown, drag out, hit you in the mouth, prove you wrong. Um, for Miami, I think a little bit of the same, but also that nobody believes in us. Mm-hmm. Um, for the Mavericks, it's we haven't been here in forever. Let's take our opportunity. And for the Warriors, it's I think it's the most specific motivating factor, and it might be specifically for Steph Curry, and he hasn't said it, but I think we can say it, and it's safe to say they want to win one after KD and say, look what we did. We won one before him. We won one with him. Or excuse me, we won two before him. We won one with him, or was it two with him? Two with him, two with him. So we won one before him. We won two with him, and then we won one without him. Like I think that 
for Steph's legacy, not that it needs any more resume notes than it already has. He can retire today and be one of the greatest, most influential players that's ever stepped on the court. But for them to win it this year allows Steph to say, those KD championships, they're not only justified, but we didn't need them either. Yeah. It's, you talked about how that's like, I was going to say the same thing, how like, you know, it's same old Warriors, but I fully agree with what you're saying. It's really not like they're this good. Yeah. Like they're, they're a very good basketball team, but they like redefine themselves. They're do, like, they, they've done what great teams do. Like they've, re, they've figured out how to reinvent themselves and kind of give themselves a second prime. Like you look at the box score from game mm-hmm. one and like, yeah, Steph got his, but like he, it's not like he went off for third. It's, it's not like the old days where it was, you know, Clay has 35 and is, you know, nine of, or what, a six of 10 from three. Steph has 40 and he's seven of 11 from three. And then, you know, you got a whole bunch of single digit scores contributing. Like, oh, the whole starting lineup had double digits. He had a double digit guy off the bench. Like they're getting contributions from all over. And obviously, when you need those big buckets, Steph and Clay are there. But like what they're doing now, almost seems more sustainable. It seems more like we can survive, obviously probably not an injury to Steph or Clay, but like if somebody gets banged up, we're, we're not necessarily dead. Like we can survive. Like we have the amount of, we, we have the number of guys to go at this and beat anybody and beat anybody any, like any different way. Uh, so it's like they're, they're winning these games by, you know, sometimes having these great shooting performances. Sometimes they're winning defensively. Like they're, they're beating you any which way you want to try and beat them. Yeah. Um, I think that, those are a number of the reasons why I think they are the team to beat right now. I know there's only four remaining and it's getting a lot easier to say team to beat, but um, they are I had to, to yeah. And I believe uh, the odds, uh, I believe they're the only minus money on the board right now to win the championship. Um, so if you see value elsewhere, take it, but I just, I don't know. Uh, maybe Boston is that value proposition yeah. because I could see Boston beating anybody. I'm not sure I could see the heat beating um, golden state, but uh Getting well out uh, uh, over our skis here as we'll have uh, a number of weeks to break down uh, the NBA action, both in the conference finals and in the NBA finals. Uh, I do that, think we're getting Boston. Take a talk here to – yeah, and which that I would seems be like thrilled it. for. I'd be thrilled that seems for. like the best series. It would give us the best NBA finals. Uh, on ice, Matt, uh, the New York Rangers will look to bounce back here on Friday night after just a heartbreaker. Uh, Igor yeah. Shesterkin stands on his head in game one. They give up a goal with like two minutes and change left, and then they lose early in overtime in a 2-1 game to Carolina, which to clip game one on the road in that barn would have been something special. Uh, the battle for Alberta looked like a football Ooh, score uh, in game one, and it went the way of Calgary. Um, but uh, it's been some exciting action up and down, no doubt. You know, I I think the Rangers kind of needed that one because t- Carolina's a really good – the Rangers are a good hockey team. Carolina's a very good hockey team. And in the playoffs, if a team yeah. doesn't re- – I don't want to say Carolina didn't show up because they eventually – they did, They played a very bad first two periods. They had 14 shots on goal through two periods and kind of looked like they were, I don't know if emotionally drained from the Bruins series or sleepwalking or whatever, but they just kind of didn't look like they were all there. And for the Rangers to only be up one to nothing and not really be able to put them away – that kind of seemed like their chance to steal one on the road. Uh, they, they still have Igor Shesterkin. He's capable of stealing games at any point. But, like, that, that one felt to me like if the Rangers were going to make some noise in that series, that was one they kind of needed to get. I just think that's – the Rangers needed seven games and had to come back from behind down 3-1 against the Pittsburgh team playing, you know, with a third-string goalie that was backed up. They didn't have Crosby for a couple games. They were without one of their best defensemen. Like, they, they got by – credit to them like some of their best players Zabana Jed stepped up Panarin had the game winner Shesterkin got better 
but I think they're just facing a better Carolina team and not being able to steal that first game was, was uh, I think vitally important. Yeah. And I just had an ad play on my ESPN.com <laughs> open and like the PGA there's a, there's, fucking trumpets. We, we play play through, my we play through. Um, there's a good chance that we look back at the series and say, that's where it was won and lost. And yep. we tend to do that sometimes. It's, it's tough to do in game one, but that feels like it. Yeah. Yeah, and then the uh, Battle of Alberta one. was that was I I was traveling. You know what I, I was, you I know was what, but like you, paying paying attention to it and watching what I could. Like holy was hell, 14, that game was fun. Fifteen I hope goals. We yeah, nine to six, nine to six is the final. And like you looked goals. at the shot totals too. Like Jacob Markstrom allowed like six goals on twenty like twenty four shots. Like he was terrible. Yeah, uh, I, I think <laughs> it he'll was be better. Dumb. That's not sustainable. I think the Flames are the Flames are the better team in that series, and I think they're going to end up winning like five or six games because that's kind of that's Mike Smith for you. He's not going to have nine every night. It was really cool though. No, I was going to say it was really cool though to see, um, to see Connor McDavid essentially will his team back in that game. Yes. They immediately were down three goals. Then they were down four goals uh, soon after that. Um, six two, I believe it was to, for him to just be like, come on guys. And to see it, I don't know. It felt like we were watching a guy, like com- completely dictate how the game was going to go. It was like, all right, when I'm on the ice, this happens on my terms. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun to watch. They're like, you remember when the Hawks had uh, in 15, when the Hawks had basically four defensemen and their second, their, their third pairing defense and defense, defense were playing like six minutes a night and Keith Seabrook, yeah. Jalmerson and um, Oduya were basically just, play- we're all just like rotating, like one off one with double shift. And like that, that yeah. seems like what the Oilers are doing with McDavid. Like, <laughs> what the Hawks kind of do with Kane sometimes now it's like yeah you're just gonna play 27 minutes a night this is your line to start but like you're gonna get some shifts with these guys you're gonna play here just because we kind of need you on the ice and like that's what game seven was with the Kings like you talked about him willing them back into that game and keeping them in the, the Flames game in game one he was the reason like he was their team in game seven against the Kings and, like the, the goal to, to ice that game and then shut them out where they're put him up to nothing late was just pure. I'm going to score here. We're not losing this. I'm going to make sure we win it. And he tried to do that against Calgary. Unfortunately for him, Calgary's just a really good and deep team. And they, they have a whole lot of talent there too. This yeah. would be a fun series. McDavid's going to do a lot of cool stuff. Uh, Calgary, I just is the better team and they're probably going to come out of that one. And I think I said like five or six games. Uh, take me through those other two. Um, we are even at one apiece. After Ford is broken. Yeah, oh, after a bounce back effort. No, I was gonna say after a bounce back effort from uh, the Blues. There, I don't yeah. know how, that, how deep you want to get into that one because that one also feels like yeah, I was Colorado. Colorado is just is just yeah. maybe might just be the best team remaining. Uh, they're just not, so fast. Did not watch last night because we were out doing you know went dinner and, and wedding activity stuff. But like I, I did a double take when yeah. I saw the final scores. Like the Blues won four to one. Like because yeah. I watched game one and like the avalanche outshot him 54, 23. Like it was, wasn't even close. The second period felt like a 13, nothing in overtime. It was just like, Like, all right. It was just like, all right, on with it, you know? And and maybe, maybe Colorado was feeling themselves a little bit too much after game one. And that's why the blues kind of came out and punched them in the mouth. I don't think the blues are going to go away quietly because they are a a deep team. They're a physical team. They're, they're very much a, a tough to play against kind of team, but Colorado, like you said, they're just, they're too fast, too strong, too good. I, I think they're going to come out. The, the Blues are going to make do their best to make it a series. They'll probably get one more at some point, but I think the Co- Colorado does come out of that. 
And then the other series to me is and just then, uh, Florida's shocking. broken. You tell me, huh? Florida seems <laughs> like they are broken. They, they their power play, yeah. which is one of the league's best in the, in the regular season, hasn't scored yet in the postseason. Their penalty kill scored this month. It's, it's scored since April. It's awful. Their their penalty kill is, I think, I think uh, is the worst in the playoffs still remaining. Like, and Tampa's playing without Braden Point. They're coming off a really tough seven game series, and I kind of thought like. Florida finally got over that hump. They finally got out of the first round. Like Washington wasn't very good, but Washington was, you know, a playoff proven core. And th- those teams are always tough to, to take care of in the playoffs. And Florida had some adversity. They fought through it, got through it. And I thought that was kind of it. They get the first goal against Tampa, even the other night. And just no, like yeah. the lightning are just, just killing them. I think that the, uh, it was interesting. Uh, I heard biz on the broadcast or between periods the other night yeah. or post game talking about how I think, only three teams uh, in history have won a postseason series without a power play goal. And uh, last round was last round. Florida was one of them, but like, that's just not sustainable. No. Um, Boston did do that a few years back on one of their cup runs, but they ended up cashing in later in, in the series, but they, yeah. they did win, excuse me, later in the playoffs, they did win a series having not made a, 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 a not scored a power. Yeah, play not goal. Scored a power it's goal. just, I, I'm just, outlining the fact that it doesn't happen. You, you, no, have to, you have to take advantage of those opportunities, especially when you're playing against a back-to-back defending champion yeah. um, who can sort of, I don't want to say score when they want to, but like they're offensively, they're still like, they're still so dynamic, uh, mm-hmm. the lightning. And you're just not good. They're not a team that you're going to be able to, crawl out of a three goal deficit from they're just, they're just they just don't strike me as a team that that's going to allow you to do that no and it, it, they also have they have the best goaltender in the world and he's going to go down that's as probably, probably one of the best goaltenders of all he's going to go down as one of the best goaltenders of all time and what what he does come playoff time and elevates his game like i hate the term flip the switch sometimes in sports but like <laughs> that guy could that guy has a switch and he, he flips when yeah. he needs to come playoff time but yeah it's i mean I am stunned by how games one and two have went. Like I didn't think Tampa would be be like a rollover series because they're too good and they're, they've been here so long. But like here so yeah. many times, but like man, they Florida just looks they look broken. They look defeated. Like the NHL's second, I think, highest scoring team behind Colorado has two goals in two games and can't figure out how to score when they have an extra man on the ice. It's just insane to me. Uh, the lows very disappointed. Come. The lulls come when the lulls come, and uh, this is not uh, the time of year that you want them to be there. But can we take a moment here, Moose and Rooney's listeners, and just just let's just let's just applaud Matt Rooney for this podcast was not a lull. First. Always putting the pod first. Um, whether he's in Iowa, whether he's coastal on a golf course somewhere, whether he is in a basement, whether he's on a plane, whether he's at an airport, Matt Rooney puts the Moose and Roots podcast first, and we applaud him for that. Matt, thank you for taking the time and making the time here for the Moose and Runes listeners on episode 232. I know you got to get some stuff here. Um, you got anything else for the people before we say goodbye? No, I can't keep Alyssa out of the hotel room for, for, for very much longer. <laughs> she probably wants to come in and... <laughs> and a big thank you to significant other of the pod, Alyssa Bergen. Alyssa. Uh, thank right. you. Thank you, man. Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. Say goodbye to the people. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, 
and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal. <laughs>